It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. This is the hour of doom and bloom, by the way. Hey, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a terabyte of temerity in a tempestuous world. With your host, Joe Alton, MD, and Amy Alton, ARMP of doomandbloom.net, the reader's choice source for both education and the best health savings account eligible medical kits for austere settings. Today, Amy is hanging all day with one of her daughters for her birthday. Well, that happens from time to time, once a year, matter of fact. Surprise, surprise. And occasionally, I'll do a show myself, or Amy will. Most of the time, it'll be the dynamic duo, though. Now, if you don't know yet, we're changing our format. You're going to hear more frequent, shorter shows to go straight to the information you're looking for without a whole lot of housekeeping up front. We'd like to keep our medical licenses, though, so i got to tell you that all information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. You know, in survival, the medicines run out eventually, no matter how well you prepare for it, if the disaster knocks you off the grid for long enough. This is especially true for drugs for which you can only stockpile a limited quantity simply because maybe they're too expensive. One item that isn't too expensive is fish oil, commonly available in supplement or in FDA-approved prescription items. The scientific data show that they can reduce triglycerides in your blood, a factor in coronary artery disease, and maybe help in other ways as well. First, what is fish oil? Fish oil is the fat or oil that's extracted from fish tissue. Squeeze a fish, get some oil. Most of it comes from oily fish such as herring, tuna, anchovies, salmon, and mackerel. It's sometimes produced from the livers of other fish, an example being the time-honored cod liver oil. The World Health Organization recommends eating one to two portions of fish per week. This is because the omega-3 fatty acids in fish are thought to provide many health benefits, including a level of protection against a number of diseases. The FDA has approved fish oil products like Lovaza and Vasipa as a good way to fight high triglycerides and total cholesterol levels. Now back to that in a minute. It's been a long time since I've talked about triglycerides and cholesterol, so let's take a moment to discuss them. We've all heard about bad cholesterol, but cholesterol is made by all animal cells, and it's an essential structural component of cell membranes. It's also a prerequisite for all steroid hormones, also bile, even vitamin D. That means you can't produce them without cholesterol as a building block. Cholesterol was first discovered in gallstones, by the way, in the 18th century. We called it cholesterine back then. In vertebrates, liver cells typically make the greatest amounts. It's absent among almost all prokaryotes. Now, you might ask what a prokaryote is. Well, if you got a copy of our book, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, The Layman's Guide, you'd know that I'm talking about bacteria and even earlier organisms like archaea. I guess you could say that bacteria are just immune to heart disease. Not so much because they don't produce cholesterol, but mostly because they don't have hearts. Ha ha ha. A little microbiology humor there. Nothing? Crickets? That's it? Well, I guess you have to be a microbiologist. Anyway, the latest FDA-approved fish oils like Lovaza and Vasipa are mostly about triglycerides. Triglycerides are a type of fat found in your blood. 
when you eat, your body converts any calories it doesn't need to use right away into triglycerides. The triglycerides are stored in your fat cells to be released later to get energy between meals. So since we need cholesterol and triglycerides to live, what's the problem? Well, if your diet is full of bad fats and carbohydrates and you regularly eat more calories than you burn, you may have high triglycerides. If your triglyceride level is too high, it may lead to thickening of the artery walls from the formation of plaques, also known as atherosclerosis. This increases the risk of stroke, heart attack, and heart disease. Extremely high triglycerides can also inflame your pancreas, also known as pancreatitis. Low-density lipoproteins, or LDL cholesterol, also known as the bad cholesterol, well, high levels of that can lead to plaque buildup in your arteries and result in heart disease and stroke. HDL, however, or good cholesterol, absorbs bad cholesterol and carries it back to the liver, which flushes it from the body. So what are some ways to lower cholesterol and triglycerides? Let's start with some lifestyle changes. Choose healthier fats. Avoid trans fats or foods with hydrogenated oils or fats. Trade saturated fat found in meats for healthier fat found in plants like olive and canola oils. Instead of red meat, try fish high in omega-3 fatty acids. Those are awesome, such as salmon. Let's say I prefer the real fish to fish oil supplements, honestly. Supplements are most useful if you have a proven deficiency of something or just can't get to a natural source of the particular nutrient in the supplement. Other things you can do, exercise regularly. Aim for at least 30 minutes of physical activity more frequently during the week. Regular exercise can lower triglycerides and boost your good cholesterol. It actually can raise your good cholesterol and lower your bad. Incorporate this into your daily routine. Climb the stairs at work, for example, instead of taking the elevator, or take a walk during breaks instead of eating a candy bar. Speaking of which, avoid sugar and refined carbohydrates. These can increase triglycerides and do a lot of other damage to you. In excess, they are, in fact, a poison. Lose weight. If you have triglyceride levels, cut some calories so that less are converted to triglycerides and stored as fat. That's something that's important. Get to a normal weight for your height and age. You should also limit how much alcohol you drink. Alcohol is high in sugar and calories and it has a significant effect on triglycerides. If lifestyle changes aren't enough, you may have to see a doctor before the you-know-what hits the fan. Might be a wise idea. Your doctor might suggest medications like statins or fibrates. These are prescription drugs that lower cholesterol and lower triglycerides, especially in those people with diabetes or a history of blocked arteries. A well-known example of a statin is something called atorvastin or Lipitor. A fibrate, that might be something like phenofibrate or Tricor. Those are popular, commonly prescribed drugs. These drugs, however, can affect your liver, your kidney, or have other effects. So regular monitoring by a professional is something that's very, very appropriate. Niacin is another option. It's over-the-counter and may help. Niacin can lower your triglycerides and LDL. The problem is that niacin can cause significant side effects. One particularly strange one happened to a friend of mine. He called me one day to say that he had turned red and was itching all over. I went to see him, and sure enough, he was beat red, flushed, very uncomfortable. It took hours for it to go away. I guess everybody's a little different, but if this happens to you, it didn't happen to me, but if it happens to you, skip the niacin or at least lower the amount you take. I started this podcast talking about fish oil. Is that useful for triglycerides and cholesterol? Regarding Vasipa, the latest fish oil, 
approved by the FDA, some studies have shown to the FDA's satisfaction that Evacepa can lower very high triglycerides without raising bad cholesterol. Other fish oils and even the prescription fish oil supplement Lavaza do that too, but Vasipa differs in that it doesn't contain something called DHA, something that actually does have some benefits, but it's also known to raise bad cholesterol. Lavaza and non-prescription fish oil supplements that lower triglycerides do contain DHA. That's also known as docosa hexaenoic acid. Don't ask me to say that again. And could raise bad cholesterol. Vasipa theoretically eliminates that dilemma. Although Vasipa lowers your total cholesterol and triglycerides, you know, there are some practical realities with regards to it. It's not known, for example, whether Vasipa will really lower your risk of developing heart disease or stroke. These kinds of studies usually take many years of follow-up to see if those who use Vasipa or Lavaza live longer and have less heart attacks and strokes than the general population. That has not been proven so far. Also, this stuff ain't cheap, although the Vasipa website does have coupons you can use. What's more, too much fish oil can impair your body's ability to clot. Never take more than 3 grams daily. One thing you should know about fish oil is that it can oxidize and lose its beneficial effects if it's stored poorly. Light, oxygen exposure, and heat can all contribute to oxidation of fish oil, make it less effective. Keeping it cold and dark in a refrigerator can help keep fish oil benefits intact. In any case, if you have bad cholesterol or high triglycerides, consider making dietary changes like eating less fats and carbohydrates and more protein like fish. Also get your sugar, blood pressure, and other medical issues under control. So what about fish oil and survival scenarios? Instead of squeezing fish to get oil, you're probably a lot better off just cooking and eating them. You could do a lot worse than incorporating fish into your diet. By the way, you can also get your omega-3s from other things, from ground flaxseed, from flaxseed oil, from chia seeds, from walnuts, pumpkin seeds, canola oil, and soy oil. If you're off the grid, though, and can't access any other source of omega-3s, maybe having some fish oil supplements in your storage could be useful if you can store them appropriately. Hey, you know, we are good friends with Jack Spierko of the Survival Podcast. That's the granddaddy of all survival podcasts or internet radio shows. It's been, gosh, I don't know, I think he has probably 3,000 shows by now. And we are happy to be part of what he calls his expert council and people will ask questions of his listeners and of course our own whenever it's needed. We have a question here that I think that you might find interesting about someone who has a variation of carpal tunnel, actually something called ulnar tunnel syndrome. Here's his question and my response to him. Hey, Joe Alton, MD here, also known as Dr. Bones of the survival medicine website doomandbloom.net. With over a thousand articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness. Together with my nurse practitioner wife, Amy Alton, we're the authors of the Book Excellence Award winner in medicine, The Survival Medicine Handbook. Now in its 700-page third edition, also our latest best-selling book, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, A Layman's Guide, and the designers of an entire line of medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. This week's question for the expert counsel comes from Ryan, who writes, Doc Bones. I've got pain in my little finger and wrist on my dominant hand. I suspect some sort of carpal tunnel-like issue, but want to know, what do we need to do to plan for and treat injuries like this when times get tough? I will be checking with my doctor to make sure it's nothing major, but wanted to hear from the expert on this. 
Here's a background. I work construction as an electrician and do put a lot of stress on my hands and wrists every day. I can't think of anything specifically strenuous that I was doing to bring this on, but have had trouble in the past with carpal tunnel syndrome as well as a ganglion cyst in my right dominant wrist near the base of my thumb. It's been about three years since I last had this level of pain in my hands or wrists. I appreciate the insight. Ryan, pain in the little finger is caused by irritation of the ulnar nerve, which serves the little finger and the outer side of the ring finger. Nerves and blood vessels have to pass through the wrist to get to the hand, and some of them go through the carpal tunnel, which is a ligamentous sheath that can cause pressure on the area. Carpal tunnel syndrome is a well-known condition that causes numbness, tingling, and discomfort in the hand and maybe even the arm, caused by compression of the median nerve, though. Your discomfort is caused by the ulnar nerve, not the median nerve. Ulnar tunnel syndrome is carpal tunnel's lesser-known cousin. Like the median nerve passes through the carpal tunnel in your hand, the ulnar nerve has to pass through something called Guillaume's canal at your wrist. You might even hear your doctor call it Guillaume's canal syndrome. That's G-U-Y-O-N. It can cause pain, numbness, and loss of function. In the early stages, you may notice numbness or tingling on the side of your hand by your pinky and ring fingers. It may feel like they're falling asleep. Your hand might also be numb when you wake up from time to time. And as it gets worse, your wrist can begin to hurt. The most common cause is something you've dealt with in the past, Ryan, a non-cancerous growth called a ganglion cyst, although it would be in a different position. Other causes include twisting the joint a lot or doing any type of motion with it over and over. It can also result from working with your hand bent down and out. Bicyclists and weightlifters sometimes get it due to constant grip pressure. Other causes, you can also get it as a result of wrist injury or arthritis. A broken bone in your wrist called the hamate bone can also bring it on. This bone is sometimes broken playing baseball due to trauma or stress while batting. If you play golf, you can break it if you miss the ball and slam the club into the ground. I assume that happens during the swing, not because you got mad at the ball. I don't know how old you are, if you've dealt with arthritis, or if you play golf or baseball, Ryan, but you know what? I think an x-ray would be a common starting point for an evaluation to rule out some kind of traumatic or stress fracture. Most likely, it's going to be negative. You'll be then examined to see if there's any weakness or numbness in the area. Treatment depends on what caused the pressure on the ulnar nerve. If wrist position is to blame, you're going to need to move your hands often or try a padded brace to keep your wrist straight. Over-the-counter medications like aspirin or ibuprofen for pain may help. Make sure you have lots of these drugs in your medical storage. In survival scenarios, you can get aspirin-like pain relief from the green underbark of willow, poplar, and aspen trees. They contain salicin, which was used to make the first commercially produced aspirin in the 1880s. Other than that, hand and wrist exercises to strengthen the muscles may help and certainly don't require any high technology. In normal times, though, get checked out by an orthopedic doctor and or neurologist. A number of different high-tech tests like electromyelograms may give you more information. Might as well use the technology while it still exists. This is Joe Alton, MD, that old Dr. Bones, wishing you the best of health in good times or bad. Well, that's all for this episode of the Survival Medicine Hour with Joe Alton only this time, but Amy Alton will be back for our next go-round. Until then, stay safe. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. 
Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.